Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show here today, whether you're doing it at rockstrikes10.cnjradio.com or you're subscribed, leaving a star rating and a review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. I appreciate you, especially those who do that. All right, as you can see, the sound quality is a little different here because we've got the universal mic thing happening, and the reason why is because we are joined by the E-Reaper himself, Logan. Say hello, Logan. Hello, Logan. Yeah. What's going on, Joey? How's, how's it going? Oh, man, that joke is so old. It I could, know. It could vote right Red now. Red Skelton wrote that, I think. Did he really? I don't know. Whew. I don't know. The guy I used to think was Red Skeleton for the first 20 <laughs> right. years of my life. Uh, is he a skeleton now? I'm he, assuming uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, that's apropos because... Uh, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's the deads. Yeah, it's the, the current uh, volume one of The Fallen of 2015. We're already doing it because on the last one, it was people mostly from 2014. But yeah. this is a brand new batch from 2015. And there's already 10. Wow. Wow. That's quick. We're in the beginning of poor March. 40 this early? Yeah, poor to 40 this early. <laughs> uh, we've got, of course, a massive array of styles to play for you. As with every time we do the following episodes, it gives way to the biggest schizophrenic sense of variety that I could possibly play here on Rock Strikes 10. And for an example of that, we'll start off with this first one here. Now, Logan... Our first gentleman on this list yes. died on January 8th, which also is a Royalty Rock birthday day. Royalty Rock, indeed. Because it's Elvis's and David Bowie's and David birthday. Bowie. Yeah, I was getting to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Both of their birthdays, but uh, this gentleman left us on this day this year. A guy named Curtis Lee. If you know that name, if I just tell you? No. No. Nope. Okay. That's okay. That's you most could, people. You could quiz me. All all day long, and I don't think I'd have any idea. Okay, well, get your mind into a early rock and roll doo-wop okay. era, and you can hear that song called Pretty Little Angel Eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah, big okay. one. Okay, wow. Produced by Phil Spector, by the yeah, way. Yes, I was going to say, I think that was Spector. Yeah. Spector produced. So, big, huge, like, huh. I'd say in the the era of doo-wop singles, I think that's a top ten of all time if you're going to make a, you know, a bona fide essential yeah. doo-wop list. Definitely on the box. Yeah, it's it's got to be on there. So, I think Curtis, that's where I got it from, actually. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, as luck would have it, and for some reason, all of the doo-wop and oldies box sets that I have, mm-hmm. I didn't have this song. I had to get it off of really? iTunes. But thankfully, which is rare these days, the original version is actually yeah. on there. So I lucked out. Huh. So here's the original Phil Spector produced version kicking off the show here this week. Curtis Lee and Pretty Little Angel Eyes. <laughs> Pretty little angel eyes, pretty little angel eyes, pretty little angel, pretty little angel, pretty little, pretty little, pretty little angel. Pretty, pretty little angel eyes.
Curtis Lee and with awesome doo-wop backing vocals by the Halos, which yeah, Pretty Little Angel Eyes, Halos. Get make, it? Makes sense. Probably nice. That's probably made in the studio. Yeah. That name uh, from 1961. That was a top ten hit. It got up to number seven on its peak. That's good. Then he had another semi hit that got into the 40s, but those were his two big hits. That was Curtis Lee for you, and that song uh, and a rare thing for that day and age co-written by curtis lee but the co-writer was a massive song doctor a guy named tommy boyce who is more famous for being in the boyce and heart songwriting team that had a ton to do with all of those monkeys hits from the early era of them so like i said though i probably not got it you probably didn't get any kind of royalty out of that yeah, who knows? I mean, everybody got screwed over. They all, they all got screwed. Those first that first decade and a half, mm-hmm. I think Dick Clark got everybody to sign their rights yeah. away. No sympathy. That death, I got no sympathy. Well, so anyway, yeah, let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> all right, the next guy we're gonna do here on the show, uh, a trombone player. Someone I don't usually uh, you know eulogize a trombone player on Rock Strikes Ten, but I'm making an exception for this case guy by the name of clifford adams and uh yeah why am i playing a trombone player Logan, wait who's you know clifford why? adams who Cliff- did he play trombone for he woody play- herman no no, no. <laughs> not not uh he tommy dorsey no uh clifford adams actually not, a, not an original member but a middle era member wait, of cool in the game Cool in the game. Yeah, Very that's, good. That's, uh, the third guess. Third guess. Always the it. charm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But nothing to poo-poo about that middle era of cool in the game. No. I mean, we're post seventies. We're into the early eighties, but still big happening party band. Still making hits. And this is obviously no exception. Probably the biggest song that Clifford played on with the band. Yeah. Why waste time? This is get down on it. Ooh. Standing on the wall Get your back up 
From 1981's Something Special album, that was Get Down On It by Cool and the Gang, featuring the now late Clifford Adams on the trombone. Hell of a horn section always was. Always was. You had to be, you had to be awesome at your craft to get into that band, I'm sure, to replace an original member, and he did a great job, so what else can you say, you know? Good stuff. No uh, given reason as to cause of death, and by the way, I need to go back, Curtis Lee actually died of cancer. He was living in Arizona. F cancer. Yeah, F cancer for sure. And Clifford, I think, was about 70 years old. Uh, no given reason, once again. Huh. But we're going to move on here. This one, in my opinion, as far as a song goes, is going to be the standout of the show. Uh, a guy named Trevor Ward Davies, which is, I guess, very British to have the hyphenated name. It sounds very royal-like. But it a, is wrong. A guy named Trevor Ward Davies died, and he was the bass player for the band Dave D. Dozy Miki. Bick and Titch. Titch. Yeah. Which I think it's one of those things where we didn't know a whole lot about him in the States. I don't think they really managed to break out. I don't think so. However, for this current generation, definitely got to know them because they had a very important part in one of the scenes in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof, Mm -hmm. to which there is a whole speech about kind of the history of the band. And one of the fun facts that they give in the movie, spoiler, but at one point, Pete Townsend was such a oh, fan. Oh, wait, I don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to know. It's going to spoil the movie. No. Yeah, it's going to spoil it's, the it's, movie. It's one of those no, no, between scenes, superfluous Tarantino go pop on, culture go dialect. On, bring it. Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend was such a fan of this band that he was actually considering joining the band while he was starting what? off with The Who. And, you know, of course, the person says, in my opinion, he totally should have. Uh, but I don't think they need him because this band is a great rock band. It's one of those great haven't heard it bands. You pick up the best of this band. You're gonna have a good time because it's it, it's very Dave Clark Five in the Is that sense. Is a forty-five though? <laughs> Not a forty-five. <laughs> yes, by Zomba Records. Yes, uh, but if you listen to bands post Beatles, you know, of yeah. course, the Kinks were the biggest of the post Beatles generation. That yeah. really, what people call proto metal now, bands that had an influence on hard rock and heavy metal bands. Yeah. Dave Clark Five, very important band to that particular movement. Just yep. a lot heavier than the Beatles. The only reason DC Five didn't make it because it was that band called the Beatles. Yeah, absolutely. That's or else it. they would be the biggest band in the world. And they I, would I totally believe that. Yeah. I, I love. By the way, getting on a tangent, I love that Tom Hanks is a huge DC Five fan to where oh, yeah. he actually politic to induct them into the Rock Get and them Roll into Hall the of rock Fame. And roll. Yeah, because yeah. they should be. Yeah, totally. And you got to hear it, it, this. You've probably heard "Hold Tight" from that movie. 
if you've heard anything by him. But if this is the second song you've ever heard by him, I think <laughs> I'm going to sell you on him. The B-side? Probably. Uh, <laughs> there's even a cool clip of this, like them playing on a variety show. Oh. Just in black and white. And this... Ed Sullivan? This is probably the British version. Oh, okay. I think it's that show that Hendrix played on where he went overtime. Oh, And everybody's like okay. losing their minds. Like, oh my God, he's <laughs> oh still playing. Gosh. So this guy, Trevor Ward Davies, he's the dozy of the band. Oh. And the reason I wanted to play this track, number one, it's my favorite song by this band. And two, the bass playing on this is ridiculous. It's a riff that he kind of just plays in a loop. But it's so heavy and so distorted, it's, it's going to just... John Entwistle-like? Dude, competing with John. Gary. And here he is. This is Dave D. Dozy. Wait. No, wait. Dave D. Dozy. Harry. <laughs> Grumpy. And Nash. And Nash. <laughs> and Young. No, we. I love these guys. I'm not making fun. And I have respect for the dead. But check out this song. Turn it up. This is Hard to Love You. There you go. Hard to Love You by Dave D. Dozy, Beak, Mick, and Titch. That was for Dozy. Killing it on the bass there. Just yep. makes it stand out just a little bit more. And even if that wasn't there for 66, that's, that's pretty just heavy, a man. beast of a single. It's not bad. And I, I think those guys are really cool. Once again, I if, like that. if the Beatles didn't exist, then it would have been those guys and the DC5 and the Kinks duking it out. I don't Good day, know. mate. Good day, mate. Yes. Not bad. Hello, Good stuff. Hello to our friends out in England there, by the way. Yes. We actually have a few, which is pretty amazing to oh. me. But, uh, yeah. All right. Moving on here. This next one. This this got felt definitely over here on this side of the pond as well because uh, this guy was kind of the, I don't know, man, the king of Hollywood, the, the pimp of Hollywood. I don't know. He had his hand in just a little bit of everything, literally and figuratively. Ooh. Talking about Kim Fowley. Oh, yeah. Kim had been in some way in the music business from the early 60s, if not the late 50s, till the day he died. And there's so much ground to cover. There's no way, obviously, I could do it just with one song. I'm just going to pick a favorite at some point here. But uh, for those of you who don't know anything about Kim Fowley, uh, like I said, he wrote Alley Oop, 
uh, back in the day, the Hollywood Argyles, I think was the name of the band, 1961, a song that was covered by the Beach Boys. So if right. that, that's good royalty checks right there. <laughs> like he's one of those guys that managed to get co-writes on records also. I mean, not that he didn't put his own stuff out, but he co-wrote two songs on Kiss's Destroyer, Do You Love Me and King of the Nighttime World. One of those was King of the Nighttime World was a song that his band, the Hollywood Stars, put out prior to that. And it was released kind of locally and didn't really branch out, but kind of dizzy now. Yeah, thinking you know, about it, he got the two songs on there. Destroyer was one of their biggest selling albums ever, yeah. so that's another good mailbox check to get. Right. Uh, wrote a song on probably my favorite album ever, "Welcome to My Nightmare." He wrote "Escape," which is the the catchiest song on there. So he had a knack for good pop rock songwriting. That would be fifteen more dollars. He yeah, he had. Probably 20 solo albums out at some point, I think, during his career. He put out solo albums that never really caught on. He even, stretches out to this, he even had a song on the Nuggets box set. Oh, really? Yeah, by by himself, just one of his solo songs. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, so you have, whether you know it or not, you have Kim Fowley in your catalog. I paid him? Yeah. Uh, if you uh, for you kids that bought the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, hearing those songs for the first time, you have a Kim Fowley song. He wrote Cherry Bomb, and Cherry in Bomb. addition to most of the Runaways catalog. To be fair, it was co-written with the rest of the girls, right? So he didn't write everything on it, but right. he put the band together. He got them on a label. He did all those things that huh. record industry guys do. You know, he put the band together. Yeah, yeah. He huh. uh, he found them all at Rodney Bingham's English they were Disco. All runaways. Pretty much. He oh, treated them as such for sure. Yeah. So, anyway, there's massive books you can read about the Runaways and what Kim Fowley did. Not the nicest guy in the world, but you can't deny the success. So. I'm going to play you one of my personal favorite Runaway songs that he actually co-wrote with yeah. Joan Jett. Yeah. So here you go. This is Wasted. Ooh, that's a good one.
right, that was Wasted off of their third studio album, The Runaways there, Waiting for the Night, which I know is Michael Butler's favorite Runaways album. So if you want to know more about Kim Fowley, go check out the Rock and Roll Geek show because not only does he have Kim Fowley on his show last year doing a track-by-track track on that album, but he also did a really good tribute to Kim when he died this uh, couple of months ago. And he does like a whole hour and a half on it. Cool. It plays some of his solo stuff, which... His solo stuff, man, like some of the late 60s stuff sounds a lot like what the Stooges were doing or maybe haven't done yet. Like, that was the other weird thing about it. It's just, uh, even though he could write really good commercial stuff for other bands, it seems like when it came to his solo stuff, he kind of just did what he wanted to do. That was his outlet for his creativity, I guess. So, there you go. He's an artist, man. (laughs) Definitely. So, rest in peace, Kim Fowley. And once again, F Cancer. Because that's what it was. F cancer. Moving on here, we're going to get to uh, another guy who wrote a few songs that made it on the charts. A really big one, actually. And I'm actually not a big fan of his biggest hit, but I'm going to put a spin on it. And that's why I'm going to talk about Irvin Drake. Now, he probably had his friends, so he doesn't need me to memorialize him in any kind of (laughs) respectful manner. This is just for us. He's got friends. Yeah, friends of the show here. He is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, by the way. But this song, his biggest hit that he ever wrote was It Was a Very Good Year. Oh, yes. Of course, made popular by the chairman. Chairman. Also late Frank Sinatra. Yes. Of course. And this is one of those things where I have to hear this song at work like every day. Do you really? And I I, like hate it now. I'm not a fan of this song anymore. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to fuck with it. From the tribute album, the Bob Kulik produced tribute album, <laughs> Sin Atra. This is D. Snyder with It Was a Very Good Year. <laughs> Listen, when I was 21 
She could have heard us talking during that because Logan chimes in after when I was 17. What'd you say? It's cashmere. Yeah. <laughs> Very cash. The cashmere. It was a cashmere. Yeah. Oh. I'm not going to try to sing that. But like I said, from Sinatra, S I N in capital yeah. letters. Yeah. Uh, you, you get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was D. Nice, Snyder. Nice job, D. Oh, great pipes. Good stuff. One of my favorite singers ever. Bruce. And uh, Bob Bruce, 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 uh, Bob, Bob Bruce Kulik's brother. Okay, yeah, that's where that's where I'm making my connection. He played here. guitar on that track as well as Billy oh. Sheehan played bass on that oh. track. So <laughs> good, good stuff. Well, Wait, always, who played drums? Uh, the the rest never of the mind. roster. Never is mind. Never mind. Brett no. Chasen. Yeah, it's was he in DLR? Uh, not the. No, I'm that's Bassinet. Never mind. Not bassinet. Uh, Doug Cat Sorrows and Greg Chasen are the two other people listed on there. Who was so. the guy in DLR? Uh, Greg Bissonnet. Was Bissonnet. The drummer Bissonnet. for the David Roth band. Like yeah, I was, no. yeah. <laughs> bassinet. Yeah. <it> was, <laughs> like the hat. My bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're bogging down here, okay, but let's move sorry. on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, a guy named Danny McCullough uh, from the kind of the second era of the animals when it became Eric Burden and the animals. So still putting out hits, not as big as the one in the previous era, but yeah. if you get any good animals, best of which I have the one I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not a big <laughs> animals fan. That also might be a work thing because they used to play Mad Nazi when I first worked there. But you know, I've got respect for Eric Burden. He's a blue eyed soul man. Right. And and good singer. Okay. Uh, but this guy, Danny McCullough, was the bass player in the second wave of Eric Burden and the Animals. And he played on some of their more experimental stuff, like, you know, the the Hate Ashbury thing is happening, you know, and so they, they definitely Hippies. changed. Yeah, the hippie thing yeah. definitely had an influence on the style, I think. This song being a direct example of that. So one of the, the biggest hits that Danny played on, this is Monterey. Music being born to blow 
children dance night and day Religion must be informed Down in Monterey The birds and the airplane did fly Ravi Shankar's music made me cry The hoop exploded into fire and light You, Masagela's music was black as night The Grateful Dead blew everybody's mind Jimi Hendrix, baby, believe me Set the world on fire Yeah His Majesty Prince Jones Smile as he moved them off the ground Ten thousand electric guitars Were grooving real loud Yeah You wanna find the truth in life Don't pass music by And you know I would not lie No, I would not lie No, I would not lie Down in Monterey There you go from the album from 1968 called "The Twain Shall Meet," which is a weird title, okay. even for the psychedelic era. I'm holding back, man. Uh, but that was Eric Burden and the Animals with "Monterey," which was the first song on that particular album. So that was for Danny McCullough. Uh, died January 29th this year at the age of 69 from heart failure. So, 69. So who knows? Yes, very good. There you go. <laughs> we should all be so lucky. From heart failure. Yes. Yes. Uh, moving on here, and you're like, hey, Joey, usually you play at least some R&B on the list once we have a follow-up. I was going to mention that. What the, finally, What's going on, man? Finally hit one of them here. Uh, a guy named Don Covey. Not a household name, but I, I'm just very fortunate that I actually have a song by him uh, because I've actually spotlighted this on a number of episodes. One of the great Rhino box sets of all time called uh-huh. What It Is. Which is oh yeah, that's a great set. Yeah, it's like the deep cuts it's of R and B and soul. Deep, awesome. That's a great box set if you can find it. Yeah, and a great tie-in to the yeah. last death from the Animals because they also recorded a version of this song mm. on an earlier era of the band. So I'm gonna play a Don Covey's version, which is great. Like I said, you should have this box set. Uh, so this is the now late Don Covey with Sookie Sookie.
right, so that was Don Covey with Sookie Sookie. And you can get that particular track on the What It Is box in a rhino, which is law. You have to get it. It's great. And that guy definitely had his fans. Like I said, despite the fact of not being a household name, uh, Ronnie Wood's a big fan. He appeared on a tribute album of his, along with a few other guys you might have heard of, Iggy Pop, Todd Rundgren. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of those guys. Nope. He put out an album in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, of course, Ronnie had a lot to do with it. Huey Lewis uh oh i've heard of that guy uh wilson pickett wilson pickett (laughs) yeah so there you go yeah i know that and uh yeah the guy only wrote chain of fools by the way so wow yeah i didn't want to go to you know i tried to go too obvious but the the guy friggin wrote chain of fools chain of fools which you know that's That's pretty solid yeah that's that's some hall of fame stuff right there didn't little caesar do that yeah, you remember that little Caesar version? <laughs> totally. Sorry. I, Sorry. you know, I I considered that, but then I realized no, I had something. By no, him, I'm glad you so. didn't do yeah. that. Nothing wrong with that version. Yeah. There uh, is. You know, on the last episode of the Fallen that I did, I actually played something by a guy who co-wrote some songs with Buddy Holly when they were in high school. Still. Did you foretell this one? Well, another cricket has gone. Oh. He wasn't ever a cricket, that last guy, but... If we Joe, only had just one or two left. Yeah, Joe Malden, uh, who was... Joe an ori- B. Malden. Joe B. Malden, excuse me. He was an original cricket. He was the bass player, uh, the original bass player, because he had a few... Uh, and it's weird. I, I found out that, you know, sometimes maybe somebody couldn't make a show, or some of these people would book Buddy and like, oh, well, you just come out. You know, and they wouldn't even let like buy a plane ticket for the cricket sometimes. Because the night that Buddy Holly died, oh, his bass player. See, and I wondered about that because after yeah. seeing that, I wondered, was he not on the plane? I mean, uh, yeah, maybe they didn't buy him because the there seat. was literally it's, those four guys on the plane. Yeah, you know, like yeah. But uh, the night that Buddy Holly died, his bass player was uh, Waylon Jennings. So oh. it's just like you know, and he's so, the one that was like. He he might have was, had a shot on the plane. I'm well, not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think the story goes that that he might have. Yeah, and, and he turned it by down the, or something. Do you see like that, that they're reopening the case of the plane crash? By the way, no, they I, 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 I read why, that. This why week. would you? Do I don't that? know why, but there's no reason. It's it's official. You know, pilot. What is Lubbock perf- opening yeah, the case back up? No, just anyway. Moving on here. Moving but on. Let's get back to Joe Malden. Hey, you know what? Joe B. Malden is on the. Lubbock Walk of Fame. Nice. As well he should be. Any anybody in the crickets or if associated cricket, with the crickets yeah, should yeah, be in there. Exactly. It's interesting what happened out of Lubbock in that time. I mean, think about that. Like, it's kinda weird. Was this like the one of the most happening towns in Texas because you had Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison yeah. and the Big Bopper and all yeah. you know obviously Big Bopper wasn't from Big, Lubbock. Big Bopper wasn't from Lubbock. I don't know where he was that from. That was I had Day of the Music down in the brain. But but just Roy and Buddy alone. Yeah. My God, man. It's like the hotbed. It's like Seattle of 1951. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, you know, hey, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, you can't deny it. And uh, this is super obvious, but first song on the first album kind of stuff with Joby Malden on bass, of course, Buddy Holly there, and the rest of the Crickets and the Audible Crickets that were in the studio. That's why they're called that. So, Uh, But Buddy Holly and the Crickets, this is Oh Boy. All of my love, all of my kissing, you don't know what you've been missing, oh boy. Oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy. Oh boy, the whole world can see that you were meant for me. All of my life, I've been waiting, tonight there'll be no hesitating, oh boy. Oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy. Oh boy, the whole world can see that you were meant for me. Stars appear and the shadows are falling You can hear my heart calling A little bit of loving makes everything right I'm gonna see my baby tonight All of my love, all of my kissing You don't know what you've been missing, oh boy Oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy Oh boy, the world can see that you were meant for me Tonight there'll be no 
in the yard with me, oh boy. Oh boy, the world can see that you were meant for me. Stars appear and the shadows are falling. You can hear my heart calling. A little bit of loving makes everything right. I'm gonna see my baby tonight. All of my love, all of my kissing. You don't know what you've been missing, oh boy. Oh boy, when you're with me, oh boy. Oh boy, the world can see that you. All right, there you go. That was Oh Boy by Buddy Holly and the Crickets, of course. That was for Joby Malden. Yeah. Rest in peace, sir. And we're going to move on here. A band that, honestly, I didn't know anything about, and I'm going to ask Logan if he has any kind of reference for them at all. Nope, but I don't. You, you don't know this band? <laughs> I, I figured you might. No, this no, is kind I, of almost in your wheelhouse it, a little bit. Era-wise. Well, I mean, yeah, era-wise it kind of is. I, yeah. I, I honestly didn't know much about them. Yes. I mean... So once again, our apologies to our friends across the pond. The 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 new waivers. Yeah, the new romantics. The also. new romantics, yeah. new waivers, uh, new eighties club kids. But a big loss for that era, of course. This guy Steve Strange, who was the lead singer of Visage, and Fresh. I didn't know anything about them. I'm sorry, but I gotta tell you, I went and listened to some samples. I liked enough of what I heard. I actually picked up the entire best of on no. iTunes. Did you really? Five bucks. Really? Five bucks for the whole best of. Huh. Yeah, so there's a plug for you. The girl may want that. Yeah, and it's it's an import CD, so that was to my advantage to get yeah. it for five bucks on iTunes instead of spending 15 bucks on it. So. I need to hear some of that then. Yeah, well, you're going to hear think, it right now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, this is, you know, if you're a fan, this is going to bore you, but this is the, their biggest chart hit. So I, I feel like I probably should just play this one. So let's just think, go for I it. I think everyone's going to fast forward through this part. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, damn. No. <laughs> well, just for us, this is Visage with Fade to Gray.
Alright, there you go. From 1980, that was Visage with their biggest hit there, Fade to Grey. Hope you enjoyed that. And I think Logan actually popped a little bit because I told him that Barry Adamson was the bass player for the band on that particular... I think he was in that particular era. He might have left right before that, but anyway. He was like, I know more about him than I (laughs) do Steve. I know more about Barry Adamson. (laughs) Who wound up doing a lot of Nick Cave stuff, birthday party in the bad No offense to Steve Strange. You know, I I, I knew the name Visage. I knew that they were... uh, yeah. band and yeah. stuff like that. He's a character. But, but. Uh, Steve Strange, another claim to fame is that he actually also appeared in the Ashes to Ashes video by David Bowie. Oh, Probably yeah. in that band of misfits there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so there you go. Man, you blindsided me with that. Yeah, well, hey, wow. that's what I'm here for. Just punching me out. All right. So, last one here, and a big one. I, I think when you talk about the girl group genre, especially in the 60s, if if there has to be, and, and I don't feel like I'm overrating this lady in death, but if there has to be an Elvis of the girl group singers, I think Leslie Gore, without a question, is that person. Easily. Yeah. Easily. I'm I mean, trying to think. There's others. I mean, there's Jenny Arnell yeah. and Ronnie Spector and people like that. Yeah, I was going to say Ronnie, Ronnie Spector's part of that. But, but she was but kind of the personality. She even did like some TV roles. Like she was kind of... All she was she was she was up at the top, you know, as far as the pyramid goes down. Yeah, you know, as sure. far as the the entire spectrum of what the the female artists of that era goes. Yeah, you started out with that, and then went, you know, because I, I like I even think like Anne Margaret took took a couple notes out of Leslie Gore. Yeah, she kind of kind of put it in the Vegas uh, yeah, realm, you know, exactly for sure. But, but yeah, yeah Les, Leslie Gore is about as a. a, a pretty much about the the person that you would you would have followed that that track of, yeah. of what she did and so. she was the poster girl she had yeah. the look too which is that's kind yeah. of why i went with the elvis factor yeah. there because you know there's others that are you know arguably maybe more talented even or better singers maybe but it's it's it, she kind of had the full package there and like i said you could talk about hard-hitting people like you know like like ronnie specter jenny arnell right. but right. uh leslie gore was the face and the she had a yeah. lot of hits too yeah at the end of the day yeah some of these other ones you know they might have like two or three hits but she had about a dozen you know at yeah. least so yeah um so yeah it's a big loss so uh what to play i just kind of went with one of my favorites but also a song man you talk about a song that's been covered to death and for good reason too because i feel like in that era you know sometimes it's guys writing for women and even though a lot of these songs might have seemed really personable, and some of them were written by the singers themselves, but yeah. it's it's very raging hormone yeah. kind of thing, and it talks about dating guys and breaking up with guys, but uh, some of those definitely reek of being written by men. And you know what? I'm going to check while we're playing this song. If this song was written by a man, I'm going to be very surprised, because <laughs> this is like kind of the empowering woman it's like girl power for it's the earliest form of girl power i think in popular culture pre-spice girls right (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) Uh, but she definitely blazed that trail so with this song especially leslie gore and you don't own me oh yeah you don't own me just one of your many toys You don't own me Don't say I can't go with other boys And don't tell me what to do Don't tell me what to say And please, when I go out with you I'd never stay I don't tell you what to say I don't tell you what to do So just let me be myself That's all I ask of you I'm young and I love to be young I'm free and I love to be free To live my life the way 
right, there you go. Closing out the show and this edition of The Fallen of 2015, Volume 1. That was Leslie Gore with You Don't Know Me from 1963, at the tail end of 1963. And my God, the song was written by two dudes. Mm. Who knew? I mean, that's so weird. They they must have really felt it. I guess. That's Uh, weird, man. By the way, producer on that track? Yeah. Quincy Jones. Really? Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Wow. Isn't it weird, though? Have you ever had that happen to where, like, a song like this or maybe something from, like, the country genre, you know, where there's a lot of song doctors? Yeah, yeah. And you go, you know, not trying to be sexist, but that was written by a woman or a man? Like, that doesn't... Yeah, it kind of feeds in a little bit, you know? Because, I mean, you hear those other songs, it's all like, I feel pretty, and I'm going to wash that man right (laughs) Right. out of my hair. Like, those are written by dudes. There's no question. That's, like, just... Well, you know, I mean, you have to think... You have to think that a lot you know, women in in the role of songwriting was I mean, it was kinda quelled a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't predominant back then. I mean it, it seems like Carol King was the first one I was that really say, made a living doing it. But but even then know, but she even was then. only half of that team. Yeah. True. You know this is very true. She so, had to get in with the guy, so you know, you, you do have to kinda wonder when they took they took ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And did they just change a word? Yeah, that's you know, possible. he to she or her to him or sure. whatever it was Maybe. to make the song fit with a particular yeah. artist. Works so well though. For, yeah, it, for, it, it really as, does. As a call, you know, it really does. So, uh, quick story before we get out of here uh, reminds me of uh, during some of my downtrodden years. Like I considered one of my man anthems was. Uh, the song that was on the Johnny Cash Unearth box set. Oh. Great great box set, by the way. And all those sessions, you know, with yeah, all the guest stuff. stars. The stuff he did with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, especially, a lot of that stuff that didn't end up on Unchained or, or American 3. Uh, but there was a song he did called I'm a Drifter, which is him and then the Heartbreakers backing him up. And it's just one oh, of those okay. beautiful, yeah. rambling man type of independent guy, don't need nobody kind of song. Yeah. And that was my man anthem for years when right. I was a sad bastard. Not anymore, though. But I go and look it up one not day. Not your anthem or you're not a sad it, bastard anymore? Well, I'm not a sad bastard okay. anymore. But this was my sad bastard man anthem. Okay. Like, I don't need this. Go and look it up. Song was written by Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> You go listen to this song. It's like what? <laughs> I love Dolly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Dolly's but, great. But wow, <laughs> just one of those. Dolly's things. fantastic. Just one of those. Things. But wow, I, I had no idea either. Yeah. So anyway, go go check that out. I think I played that on the show. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, moving on. We're gonna get out of here. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, let's do plugs. Uh, go to rockstrikes10.cnjradio.com. You'll find every single episode, including the ones that iTunes have kicked off of their feet at this point. Oh. Yeah, we'll try to fix that at some point. Happens. But until then, go use that. There's also the links to the Facebook and the Twitter and all that good stuff. Follow uh, Logan on uh, whatever links he wants to give you starting now. Go, Logan. Uh, it goes with ereaper underscore reports uh, on Twitter for death, physical, and metaphysical. Yes. And all encompassing of that. Um, I am also on Facebook as Burst School Metal Death. Yes. Hopefully a future Accentuating show. on the death. Yes. <laughs> hopefully a future podcast. Schedule's oh, hopefully a future podcast. Um, and then let's see. I'm also on Twitter as Burst School Metal Death at B underscore S underscore M underscore D. Yes. All on right. the Twitters. So... Yes, and if you have trouble with those, just hit me up. I'll send you some links. Yep, there you go. That being said, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show, all you extra special friends of the show that keep up and comment on the Facebook. You always make my day. And extra special thanks to Pete LaRussa and the guys from Spacebeard for your awesome outro song, which I still love playing, and I will always play it for for the unseeable future, I guess. But uh, go to facebook.com slash Spacebeard. I think I said Space Brain, didn't I? I No, I think you said said Space space Beard. beard. Okay. I said it the other day. Is it Beard? Yeah. Beard. Anyway, we'll do it. Beard. Okay. Go to Facebook.com slash Space Beard Band. 
I believe that's it. Yeah, Space Beard Band on Facebook. Wow. Follow them and tell them Rock Strikes 10 sent you. You have an outro? We'll see you on the next one. Until then, have fun. Oh,